0: Let's jump into what we're talking about today. We are continuing today a series called Twisted. And what we're doing is we're looking at verses that have a tendency to be twisted. People look at them and they, they look at what they say and they take it exactly word for word for what it says and they create a theology or, in other words, an understanding of who God is and how we are to respond to him based on just that verse. And it's very, very dangerous to do that when we take a verse out of what we call the context, in other words, who it was written to. And we apply it the way we are based on our selfish desires and our personal agendas. And we twist scripture verse to get it to mean what we want it to mean. And so uh, last week we looked at the verse in John where it said, you can ask anything from me and Jesus said he would do it. If you missed that, you can download our app and listen to it on the podcast. And then, of course, next week, we're going to continue the series. We're going to be looking at a verse that I promise you, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you probably have this particular verse on a coffee cup or on a magnet on your refrigerator or possibly even a t-shirt, and it is Jeremiah 29 11. You all know the verse, and it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, that verse doesn't mean exactly what you think it means. And so next week, we're going to break it down and talk about it. And before you go home and throw away your coffee mugs and you cut up your T-shirts and say, I'm all done with that, come and listen and hear what we have to say, because I think you're going to enjoy the verse even more after next week, okay? Uh, and so what we're going to do today, though, is we are going to look at one of the most quoted verses by Christians and by non-Christians alike. This is a a verse that many people like to use and not just use to their benefit, but they want to use it against you as a Christian, especially if they're non-Christian, and it is a verse that is found in Matthew 7, verse 1. It says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. How many of y'all have ever heard this before? How many have had a non-Christian say this to you before? Yeah, okay. All right, it hurts a little bit, right? They say, hey, don't judge. They don't say it real nice, right? They kind of got an attitude and snappy fingers, you know. Don't you judge me. You don't know my life, right? You don't get to tell me. You get to talk to me. We're all about tolerance. You get to tolerate me. And so this verse, it's really, really important that we look at this verse because if people that, that aren't even Christians believe in it, well, we need to figure out what it really means and what it should mean to us, Okay. And so that verse continues on. That was verse one. It says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Verse two says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. People want to look at you and tell you, you have no right to tell me how to live. You're a sinner too. Let me live my life. Leave me alone. Because it really doesn't matter what I do, does it? I mean, as long as I'm happy, and it doesn't really matter what I believe as long as I'm sincere, and it doesn't matter how I'm living as long as I don't hurt anybody, right? You don't get to judge me. Don't judge, lest you be judged. That's the King James Version. And this verse has created a very, very dangerous culture. Very dangerous culture today. And you, you've probably heard it. Everything is about tolerance now. You have to tolerate this and tolerate that. You can't say that this is bad or that is bad. You're not allowed to do that. Because that's judging. Don't judge unless you be judged. We're not allowed to judge behavior. We're not allowed to judge choices. We're not allowed to judge sexuality or feelings or beliefs. We have no rights to say that anything is wrong if what Jesus said means that we can't judge anything. How many of you guys enjoy being judged? Oh, no hands? It feels horrible to be judged, doesn't it? I hate it when people look at me and when they judge me, especially they'll they'll be like, can you believe that he did this? Can you believe that he said that? Can you believe he's driving that car? Can you believe he's going in that place? Can you believe he's sitting and having lunch with that person? What was he thinking? We hate being judged. And this theme of judgmentalism is what drives so many people away from Christ. See, I don't want anything to do with those people because they're hypocrites, they're judgmental, and they're narrow-minded. That's who people see Christians as. We want, they want nothing to do with us. So, but Jesus said this verse. It's really, really important that we understand what does he mean. Did he mean no judging at all? Well, if so, if we're not allowed to judge at all, then, then we need to carry this clear across our lives. That means that no teacher is able to look at a paper that you turn in and tell you whether you performed well on it or not. That's judging can't do that. No citizen could sit on a jury to hold a criminal accountable for their crimes. Nope, you can't tell me that I did a bad thing. No police officer would be able to tell somebody, you're driving on the wrong side of the road. If we're not allowed to judge, we can't tell them, hey, you're you're driving on the wrong side of the road. No, this is where I want to drive. This is how I feel I should be able to drive there, and you need to tolerate my feelings. You need to let me drive over here. In fact, I'm going to drive on the sidewalk a little bit later, and people need to look out for me. This, you're laughing, but this is the culture that we've created. This tolerance, it's insane. We're not allowed to judge anything. So is this what Jesus was really saying? Maybe it's possible that on some level, maybe, maybe we're allowed to judge. I don't know, you tell me. I'm going to ask you some questions. You don't need to raise your hand, but I'm just going to ask you some questions. If you're sitting next to somebody and they've got a funny hairstyle, are you allowed to judge that? Now, don't look at them if they've got one. Just keep looking straight. Don't say anything to them. But just, are you, are you allowed to judge that? What, what if it's your kid and he wants a haircut where, you know, he's got like a dirty word buzzed into the side of his head. Are you allowed to judge that as a parent and say, no, that's not for you? Can you? What, what if there's a coworker who's married, but he's kind of flirty and, you know, you can see that he's headed towards some danger do you, do you have the right to say, "Hey, bro, man, you're, that, that's not going to go well for you if you keep doing that"? No. Or, or what, if, what if what if that what if there's a guy that's your best friend? He's in your in your grow group, and he's married and he's flirting with girls. Can you can you speak into his life? Say, "Man, look, danger, danger." Can you speak Can you speak into his life? What What about this? Culture says that I can have sex with anybody that I want to, anytime, any place, married or not. I can do what I want, it's my body. You must respect that and tolerate my decisions. All right. Well, what if their decision and their desire is to have sex with a 12-year-old? Well, that seems different. What if that 12-year-old was yours? So, so it seems on some level we, we do have the right, we do have a responsibility to judge certain things, and it's incredibly important that we get this right. This do not judge or you too will be judged thing. So what does it mean? Does it mean never identifying anything as wrong behavior? How many of you guys were with us last week for last week's message? Okay, last week what we did was we we talked about the process that you go through to understand Scripture. And so today we're really gonna dig in and try to understand this Scripture. We really wanna get what it means when Jesus said, don't judge lest you be judged. And so here's, here's real quick the process we go go through to understanding scripture properly, okay? The first thing that we look at is what we call the context. In other words, this verse was written by somebody. So who wrote the verse? Who did they write it to? What was the culture that they were writing into? What was happening in the world around them? Who's in the verse? Who specifically are they talking about in the verse? What came before the verse? What came after the verse? What was that whole chapter about? That's the context which the verse was written and when we don't look at those things we take things out of context okay so we want to look at the context and understand that the second thing we want to do is interpret scripture with scripture there's no way that we could just look at this verse alone on judging and paint a picture of who god is and how we should respond to him ultimately how we should be living based on this one verse on judging and so it's important that we look at what the rest of the bible has to say about judging. So we're going to interpret scripture with scripture. And the last thing that we're going to do is we're going to learn to apply it. So I'm going to give you some things that you can apply this or how you can apply this to your life at the end. Because the Bible is not just a letter to be read. It is a letter to be lived. We don't want to just learn it. We want to live it, okay? And so that's what we're going to do. First, let's look at the context of this particular scripture. This comes from Matthew 7. And so what comes before Matthew 7? Matthew 6. Yeah, it's not a trick, it's not a trick question. It's just, it's just that simple, okay? Matthew 6 comes before it, all right? And so when we look at Matthew 6, we read through there, and Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the day. In other words, pastors and teachers and preachers of the day, okay? T- people that were in the temple, in the Jewish, Jewish people. Uh, th- those were their leaders. And uh, Jesus is talking to them, and what he's doing is rebuking or railing them because of their hypocrisy. In fact, we see... There's three different verses uh, in chapter uh, 6, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 16, where he's talking to them about their level of hypocrisy. Now, of course, hypocrisy just means uh, it's a Greek word for pretender or an actor, okay? And so Jesus is saying, hey, you guys look good on the outside. You've got everybody else fooled, but I know your hearts. I know that you're rotten to the core. And Jesus is calling them out on their hypocrisy. They're pretending out here, but their hearts are wrong. So. He's calling them out for that. And then we get to chapter 7. And then the first verse in chapter 7 is where he says, don't judge. But if you keep reading through chapter 7, there's a place where Jesus is talking about false teachers. And he says, beware. Watch out for false teachers. Well, let me tell you something. In order to call somebody or someone a false teacher, don't you have to make a judgment about them? So Jesus isn't taking away our right or or, or, our, our ability to judge people. What he's doing is saying, hey, don't judge hypocritically. So that's the theme of this whole chapter. That's the theme of of, uh, chapter seven, okay? So that's the context in it. When he says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus continues in verse three. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the blank in your eye? If you've ever worked with wood before and you've ever cut it, you know what sawdust is. It is really, really small, and it gets everywhere. The slightest wind just blows that stuff all over you and all over everything, right? It's small. And Jesus is saying, why are you paying attention to something that's so small, and yet you've got a 10-foot 2x4 in your own eye? In other words, you've got a bunch of issues, and here you are talking about this small issue in your brother's life. Jesus is saying, hey, you can judge, just just don't judge hypocritically. Here's what he he, he continues on to say. He said, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. See, there's that theme. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So you see this theme is recurring all through chapter 7. It's this theme of hypocrisy. So Jesus isn't saying that we can't help a brother Jesus isn't saying that we can't speak into their life and say, hey, man, you're headed towards danger. He's not saying that. What he's saying is is don't go picking apart everyone without looking in the mirror first. Don't be dealing with their sin until you've humbled yourself and asked God to reveal the sin in your life first. Don't judge hypocritically. And so that's the context. Now, let's interpret the Bible with the Bible. There's a a few other verses in the Bible that deal with judging, and so we'll look at those. And uh, as we do, I think there's four things that we'll see that other scriptures in the bible make very clear about judging here they are the first thing that's clear about judging is if you're taking notes never judge superficially never judge by the outside how it looks to you jesus said this in john 7:24 he said stop judging by mere appearances in other words how it looks but instead judge correctly he's saying judge accurately judge correctly get a full picture get an understanding give somebody the benefit of a doubt Take the time to understand the situation. Maybe take the time to talk to somebody before you go and judge them just by what you see. Some of you have the spiritual gift of of judging by appearances. You can look at somebody and say, by the way they walk, they got this, or by the way they're doing this, or the way that they look, they got this. You you just judge them. We all do this. We judge from the outside. We look at how how we see it, and we make a decision about them, don't we? I hate that, man. Last year, I went on vacation. And, and it's funny how people see, because what you see is not what somebody else sees, right? And we all make these judgments, and we, we get these dispositions towards someone. I went on vacation last year, and I went, uh, I went with my family and, and my mother-in-law, who's here today. And uh, I love you, by the way. Um, and so she, uh, she's here from Kentucky and, uh, and, and worshiping with us this morning. We went to Washington, D.C., and we were walking around and we were taking pictures with the monuments and things like that and I'm posting them up on Facebook just sharing them with people and just enjoying enjoying time with my family and somebody decided to uh, post something on, my, on, on one of my pictures and said I don't know how and this really and this, I'm just going to be honest this really made me mad I'm, I'm 100% sure that I didn't cuss out loud but I'm 99% sure that I wanted to cuss maybe 100% sure I wanted to cuss I don't know how a pastor of the church gets to go on vacation every year and take their family out. Must be nice, just saying. And I didn't understand the expectation that a pastor wouldn't be able to go on vacation. I didn't didn't understand that because of my career choice that I was not allowed to have a break, that I was not allowed to enjoy my family. Now, what she doesn't know is that I got a sugar mama that paid for everything. You know what I'm saying? She, and she's sitting over there, too. And she's pretty. I like her. I'm going to keep her. <laughs> but, but what this young lady who posted that didn't understand is that I drove to D.C. I didn't fly my family there. And we were staying with my brother, and, and we were all going to sleep on his floor and his couches until, until we invited my mother-in-law along. And then she paid for the hotel that we stayed in. I had a couple hundred dollars invested in gas and food while we were there. It was like the cheapest vacation ever. And here, yet, here I'm being railed because I'm on vacation. As if I was taking up an offering and said, hey, y'all, the offering today is going all towards my vacation. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I, I didn't understand. So there's this one perspective that I'm being judged. And, of course, I'm sitting in a board meeting. And my board's like, hey, Aaron, you don't go on vacation enough. Now, I don't know how to feel about that either. You know, like, y'all just want me gone? What is it, you know? But we, but we judge from the outside. We judge how it appears, don't we? Jesus is saying, hey, don't judge from a distance. Get close. We like to judge the rich guy, don't we? The guy who's got all the money, the guy who drives a nice car and wearing expensive sunglasses. We want to judge them for how they look. Man, I'll bet they don't give anything to anybody. You don't know that. Do you know them? Do you know they could be giving away 40% of their income, which is more than you give. And I don't mean dollars-wise. I mean percentage-wise. And making a difference in somebody's life. You don't know them. Jesus is saying don't judge by what you see. Take the time. Get to know them. Don't judge. We judge all kinds of people. I, I, we, we judge introvert people, right? We look at an introvert and say, well, they're disengaged, they're rude, they, they're, they, they are somebody who is uninterested in me, and really, that, that's not who a, an introvert is. You know, an introvert is just somebody who's wired different than you are. They don't mean to be rude, and yet we judge them based on one encounter with them. As a church, we need to be for people who are for God, we need to love them. We need to embrace them. We can't just judge from a distance. We need to give somebody the benefit of a doubt and not judge them by their appearance. To be truthful, if you're somebody that goes around and judges by appearance, all you're doing is revealing that you're the one with the actual issue. Think about that for a second. You're the one with the issue. You're judging how he looks. He, he looks. He thinks he's the stuff on Instagram. You're the one sitting there obsessing about his social media feed. Or you girls look at another girl who might be prettier than you or have a nicer outfit than you and you look at them and go, she's so snotty. Guess what you just revealed? You're the one with the attitude problem. You're the one. You're the one that's jealous. You're the snotty one. She's not stuck up. It's you. So we need to stop judging superficially. And then Paul says in Romans, the second thing we should do is never judge hypocritically. Never judge hypocritically. When we point out the sins of others, it's likely that we are doing the same thing. This is what Paul says. When we condemn others, we condemn ourselves, right? You ever heard that saying that when you're pointing a finger at somebody, there's three pointing back at you? This is what Paul is saying. He says in Romans 2, verse 1 and verse 4, he says, You may think you you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. You have no excuse. And when you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. In other words, look at you. You're pointing your finger at these guys. You're a sinner too. You're calling for justice for these guys. You've got sin in your life as well. How dare you condemn them? And look, Paul changes gears really quick. Watch this, he says, and I love this. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Who's Paul talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to the believers. You say, don't you understand how patient and tolerant God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? In other words, why are you calling for them? To to have justice and for, for them to be condemned. Why are you condemning them? Why are you not treating them like God treated you? Loving them, giving them kindness. Because if you'll do that, what will happen? Well, when you were treated with kindness by God, what happened to you? You turned. Does this mean nothing to you? So, but what do we do? Well, we like to accuse other people and we like to excuse ourselves, right? We don't want to look at our own sin. We don't want to look at our own issues. We like to say, well, you're the one with the issue. And when somebody points their finger at us and says, well, you're the one with the issue, we, no, 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 I'm not. I actually, this is why I do what I do. We want the benefit of a doubt, right? We want to excuse our sins. We say, there's a, there's a good reason why I, I do this. Listen, your harshest judgment reveals your deepest Weakness. The area where you have your harshest judgment reveals your deepest weakness. What does that mean? It means wherever you are harshest on others, it is likely that you struggle with the same sin, maybe in a different way. What, what, what does that mean? Well, there, there's a story uh, of somebody who um, I heard recently. A guy, two two Christian guys were roommates, and one it was found out that one of the roommates was looking at pornography, and the other roommate who found out was just He was indignant. He was so mad. I can't believe you would do this. You need to pack your things and get out. How dare you bring that into our home? And the very next day, it was discovered that the guy who was mad at his roommate had been carrying on a two-year affair with a married woman. And here he was railing his roommate for looking at pornography. And yet, his deepest issue was that he was also sinning sexually as well. He was also in the trenches. Why was he lashing out? I don't know. Self-hate? I'm not sure. Because he couldn't deal with his own sin. He couldn't deal with the own issues, his own issues in his life. He decided to lash out at somebody else. So your harshest area where you're judging somebody reveals your deepest weakness. This is something I learned this week as I was studying out this. That when I'm hard on somebody, oh, it's my opportunity to look in the mirror it's my opportunity to look in the mirror and go, oh, that, that that may be a weak spot of me. God's a deal with me in the area that we are harshest. It's hard to hear. But when you judge others, you are condemning yourself. So we never judge superficially by how it looks. We never judge hypocritically. We deal with our own sin first. Don't be somebody who's acting like you've got it all together and then pointing fingers at other people. And then... We never hold Christians, excuse me, non-Christians to Christian standards. When it comes to judging, the third thing is never hold non-Christians to Christian standards. We cannot hold those people that are outside of the church or the body of Christ to Christian standards. That's like looking at somebody and saying, hey, you, non-Christian, you're not acting like a Christian. Well, duh. They're not not a Christian. They're not a believer. They're not a Christ follower. Why would we have this expectation of them? Paul said it this way. He said in 1 Corinthians 5.12, he said, what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Now, he's not talking about the four walls of the church. He's talking about those outside of relationship with Christ. Who am I to judge them, he says? That's not my job. He says, are you not to judge those inside? Okay, so there you go. So those that are are Christ followers, we're allowed to judge. He says God will judge those outside. So we are to judge those inside of the family. We're to encourage them. We are to help them. We're to warn them. We're to call them back to God's standards. The Bible calls it as iron sharpens iron. That's how we are to be with each other. We are to judge. In my house, I have... A certain set of rules for my family—the way that we will uh, handle the shows that we'll watch, the ways that we'll speak to each other—we have bedtime rules, we have chore rules, we have leisure time rules. We have all these rules in my house that help us govern what we do on a day-to-day basis. But as a guest, when you come in my house, you know I don't expect you to operate underneath those those rules, right? I'm not going to tell you, okay? Listen, you're getting ready to come into my house. Uh, Here's a list of rules on how you're to behave when you come in. This, we don't use this word. Um, we don't say this one. And uh, you leave your shoes by the front door. When you use the restroom, please just one pump of soap. Please, we don't want to waste it. And then wipe your hands off on the towel here. And I'm just walking through my house, right? When you're in the kitchen, this is what we do. We put our cups there. I, I don't do that with a guest. Could you imagine handing somebody a set of rules before they walked into your house? They'd leave quick, quicker and you could blink. No, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I don't, I'm, I'm not coming inside. I'm just... I'm just going to stay right here. Are there rules for the porch? Can I, can I just stay here? People don't want anything to do with Christianity because we hand them all these rules. We hand them all this stuff that they've got to do. We're so judgmental on their behaviors and who they are that we just push them away. We have to stop holding them to Christian standards. Now, let me say, if you're not a Christ follower and you're here today, Look, you are welcome just the way that you are. You are welcome here. We have a big sticker on our front door. It says, come as you are, and we mean it. Jesus sat with people who were sinners, who were the worst of his culture and of his day. He sat with tax collectors. He sat with the people that were rejected. He sat with, with poor people. He sat with rich people. He sat with hypocrites. He sat with prostitutes. He sat with them all. And he loved them right where they were. And let me say something to you. If you're not a Christ follower and you're here today, you are welcome to belong here before you believe. Let me say it differently. You are welcome to be here. You belong here even before you behave. Because see, when we believe something, it affects the way that we behave. You are welcome here. We want you here. We want you here, and we're not gonna hand you a list of God's God's rules. Our job is to introduce you to God and to love you It's not our job to point out your sin, and it's not our job to change you. That's God's job, not mine. We are free just to love you because the same God who is changing me, who is changing us, I am confident will work on you, work on your heart and your life. We need to love people, not correct them. Y'all are awfully quiet this morning. Did I find that nerve and push on a little bit? doesn't matter what state you're in today, whether you find yourself in sexual sin, drugs, addiction, whatever it is that you find yourself in today, whatever state, whatever brokenness you're in, you are welcome here. You are welcome. We want you to know God. If you're here today and you're genuinely seeking to know who Jesus is, to know who God is, To understand his purpose and plan for your life, you are welcome here. But if you've come today and you've got some kind of agenda that you want to push here, well, that may not go so well for you. It may not go so well for us. But if you are sincerely seeking, then you are welcome here. You're on level ground with the rest of us because we are all imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. This is a hospital for sick people. Some of us have just gotten here a little sooner than you did. It's okay, come on, hang out. It's where we're at. And it's so important, people, that we get this right. The reason is because heaven is real, but so is hell. And there are people that go there. We have to get this right. We have to stop expecting so much of them before they even come to know who Jesus is because we're just pushing, we're just pushing them away. Jesus wasn't taking away our right to speak into each other's lives. He said, hey, family members, it's no problem. He's saying, don't don't judge superficially. Don't judge hypocritically. Don't hold others to our standards, to our family rules. And then the last thing that he's saying regarding judging, he says, always help other believers who have fallen be restored. Always help other believers who have fallen be restored. This is going to be all of us at some point in time. You hear me? It will be all of us. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What that means is that every single one of us is sinners. Not only have we sinned, not only are we in sin, we will sin. We w- we're imperfect. And when we do sin, see, because when we sin, it rips and it tears at our lives. It tears at our relationships. It tears at our, our, our finances. It tears at, 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 at everything in our life. There has to be a restoration that occurs. And you need brothers and sisters in Christ to rally around you and love you through that. We need to be open and thankful for somebody who will speak into our lives and say, yo, dude, you're headed to a dangerous place. Yo, man, I, I, I don't know if you see it or not, but you're destroying your marriage. We need to be open to hearing those things and thankful for them. Paul said in Galatians 6, 1 through 2, he said, brothers and sisters, so first, who is he talking to? Those in the family, right? He's not talking to non-Christians. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you say, well, what sin? Isn't that kind of contrary to use that word? Or isn't that like a, a controversial word? Yeah, yeah, it is. But not within the family. See, within the family, we know that God's laid out his best for us. And when we live contrary to God's best for us, it's sin. It's Simple. It's simple. So we can call sin sin. We can look at the Bible and say, hey, this is sin. I know it's not politically correct. I get it. But I'm not trying to be politically correct. Not within the family. We don't have to worry about them. So what do we do if we see another Christian sinning? Do we gossip about them? Do we put them on blast on Facebook? Do we tell them they're going to hell? No. No, the verse continues. Hold on, you're gonna love this. If you I just I hope you get it. It says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. Gently. See, he was already talking to Christ followers, but he said, You who live by the Spirit. In other words, those of you who will ask the Holy Spirit, those of you who will humble yourself and say, Look, I need your help. I'm getting ready to restore someone. I'm getting ready to tell somebody about the sin that I see in their life. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need you to look at me. Tell me, Is there sin in my life? Because I don't want to tell them this if I've got sin in my life. If I'm seeing this wrong, help me see it right. The Holy Spirit is our counselor, He's our teacher. He's our guide. He says, those of you who live by the Spirit, in other words, we are following after him, seeking his guidance. Those of you who live this way should restore that person with a baseball bat. That's not what it says. It says gently. We don't want to beat somebody over the head with God's word, with his truth. We want to restore them gently, approach them with grace, delivering the truth at the same time. To do so will require you to pray, to be led by the Spirit, to have wisdom as you approach. The verse continues on. He says, But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Tempted what? Tempted to feel all proud of yourself? Well, I've prayed. I've asked God to check me. And I've already sought His forgiveness. And right now, I'm doing pretty good. So I gotta make sure that I talk to him in the next five minutes because I know I'm not gonna be good past that. He says, watch out. Because pride, slip in. And pride is that one thing that the Bible talks about. He says, God resists the proud. Resist them. Man, that's not a, that's not a side of God that I want to be on. He is resisting you. You know where I'm at, at with that? Got a whole pocket full of nope. I'm not playing that game. It says watch out or you might be tempted. Don't be prideful. Verse continues in, it says in, in verse two. This is the big deal. Because we have a tendency to hit somebody with truth, truth. Even if we prayed for them, even if we prayed that our hearts would be softened, their hearts would be softened, to the truth that we're getting ready to share with them, that they're headed the wrong direction. Even if we did all those things. We like to hit people with truth, and then, well, my job's done for the day. All right, Jesus, who else we got? You need somebody healed? What else can I do today for you? That's not how we roll. See, the verse continues. If it didn't continue, then, then we could believe that. But remember, we're reading in context. So what else does it say? It says, carry each other's burdens. What does that mean? It means that when we go to our, our brother or our sister, say, Jason, something i got to talk to you about, man. And I hope you hear me in the heart that I'm going to say this. But I've got some truth to share with you. And dude, I know that what we're getting ready to talk about is going to be tough. But I've prayed for you and I've prayed for me. I, I just pray that God will, will do a work in your life. And I know that whatever I'm getting ready to tell you, it's not going to be a everything's going to make it all better right now. But this is a process that we're going to walk through. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to leave you with this thing. I'm going to sit here with you, dude. Because this is going to be tough. And I'm going to walk with you through it. And I'm going to cuddle you like this. (laughs) This is to carry each other's burdens. Because when we've entangled ourselves with sin, man, that is a heavy a heavy thing. The damage that it causes in our lives is too much for us to bear. This is to bear each other's burdens. Walk with them. Mentor them. Love them. Don't love them and leave them. Stay with them. Sit in the dirt with them. This is carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. This how we ought to live because this will be all of us at some point in time. We will be the one on the, on the end of bearing each other's burdens or we will be the one needing our burdens buried, because all have sinned and fallen short. This has happened multiple times in our lives, in, our, in, the, in the life of this church. Christ followers who have gotten themselves entangled in sin And you can hear the voice in the distance, offer them up to the people. We've got our torches and our pitchforks out. We want them to pay. Time and time again, we have just loved them and mentored them and watched as God restored them. That's the beautiful picture that God is trying to paint of his church, folks. That is the totality of his love on display in us and through us. He says, you'll know that you're Christ followers by the way that you love each other. This is the way that we should love each other. It's with grace and with truth. Not one without the other. Truth without grace leads to a bunch of rules and causes people to rebel. Grace without truth gives people permission. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. He'll always forgive you. You just live your life. It's okay. As long as you pray a little prayer at the end of the day, you're okay. It's grace with no truth. Truth calls us to repentance, to change who we are, allow God to change who we are. Here's what we need to remember today. Those outside of the family of God, we don't get to judge them. We get to proclaim God's grace. We need to accept them. Those inside of the church, if someone sins, we need to tell them the truth. We need to tell them of the danger that lies ahead with grace and hopes that they could be restored. Jesus didn't take away our ability to judge. He said, don't do it superficially. Don't do it hypocritically. Don't hold others to our family rules. Restore those fallen believers. Let's pray today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, we just come to you today. Lord, we just ask you to do a work in our hearts and our lives. We've, we've all been judgmental. We ask you, God, to help us to get this right. It's so important that we do. The last thing I know that any of us in this place would want to do is turn away from somebody who is pursuing to know you. God, Help us. Lord, help us not to judge superficially by how it looks. Help us, God, not to judge hypocritically. Lord, search us. Reveal our sin. Help us to humble ourselves and deal with our own before we help someone else. Help us get this right. There are some of you here today and you say, Aaron, I I need help with this. I'm, I'm actively involved or engaged with somebody in my life that I need to speak truth with grace to them. They're a Christ follower, and I I feel God leading me to do this, and I want to get it right. I want to love them. I want to restore them gently. I want to love them to repentance, to a place where they can be restored. If that's you today, and you say, Aaron, I, I know somebody in my life, and I've got a tough conversation ahead, and I want you to pray for me. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me? Yeah, there's a few people. Yeah, awesome. Father, I pray right now that you would give them the courage that they need boldness they need to speak your, your truth with grace. I pray, God, that you would give them the humility that it takes and, the, and all that they need, Lord, the wisdom to know how to speak to them, so that they may see this person restored. Lord, I pray that you would search them first, though. Keep them from pride. Keep them from temptation, that temptation that comes to exalt themselves. Lord, and I pray that, that we would be able to move towards you together as we bear each other's burdens. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, you'd say, Aaron, that's not me. As we continue to pray and say, let me tell you something, God loves you right where you're at. You don't need to do anything to gain his love or approval, even in the midst of whatever you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing. or you know that's harming yourself or harming others, God isn't concerned about that. What he's concerned about is you, and he's got an invitation to you to join his family today. He made a way through his son, Jesus a way that includes forgiveness, a way that includes a new beginning, a way that includes transformation of who you are, new opportunities, not to be perfect, but to be accepted, redeemed, free from whatever you've been entangled in so that you can discover his plan and purpose for your life and make a difference in the lives of someone else's. If you want that today, it's all found in Jesus. All you have to do is accept Jesus' As Lord of your life, what does that mean? It means he's in charge. It means he tells you what to do and where to go. And when he says go, you listen. You don't have to be perfect. You just need to be in him. Today you want to accept that free gift of who Jesus is in your life. I'm not going to embarrass you. There's nobody looking around. I just wonder if you'd say, Aaron, that's me. Aaron, I want you to pray for me. I want to be counted in on that prayer. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand and let me know that you're here? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm gonna pray. You can put your hands down. You just need to repeat the words after me. You can repeat them in your heart or you can say them out loud. And if you're watching my live by Periscope today or you're listening through the, the podcast, I believe with all my heart that God will meet you right where you're at. Just join us in this prayer make all the difference in your life. The very trajectory of your life will change in an instant when you pray. Join me now, Jesus. I believe that you're the Son of God. Jesus, come in and take control of my life. Show me how to live for you, and I'll spend every day doing that. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new start today. Jesus, I need you. Amen.